Imagine stepping into a boxing ring. Someone hands you a pair of red gloves, you put them on. And this is not just a training session, this is the real deal. It's either knock out or get knocked out. And then you see your opponent enter the arena. It's Mike Tyson. Like, the in-his-prime version of Mike Tyson. That's your opponent. He gets into the ring with you. The bell chimes. Go time. Fight. I'd be terrified if I found myself in this situation. I mean, I'd be scared simply because it's, it's Mike Tyson that I'm fighting. But I'd have another problem, too. I don't even know how to box. Never done it. I, I have no training, no chance. If you step into a boxing ring for a fight, wouldn't it be nice to at least know how to box? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to maybe know some of your opponent's tactics or to know a few fighting strategies of your own? Wouldn't that be a, a little bit more ideal than stepping in there with no training? I mean, if you want to stand a chance, in a fight, in a, in a boxing ring, you gotta prepare. You gotta train a little bit. Every day, we find ourselves in a boxing ring of sorts. Our opponent's not Mike Tyson. Our opponent is temptation. Temptation has been fighting against mankind since the beginning. Temptation's aim is to get me wanting only what I want instead of wanting what God wants. And temptation's gonna come at you, it's gonna pick a fight with you every day. We need to fight back. We need to pick up our boxing gloves and take the fight right back to temptation when it comes at us. That's what we're gonna do today. We're going to learn how to fight temptation. Let's, let's learn some moves of our own to, to strike back. Let's look at the goals and the strategies that temptation use to, uses to fight against us. Let's learn from the greatest temptation fighter there is. Watch as Jesus steps into the ring to face his opponent, the devil, the the bringer of temptation. There's a lot riding on this fight. If Jesus slips up even once, falls into temptation even once, then his work as our perfect substitute to keep God's law in our place, all of it's in vain. If he slips up even once. But he steps into the, the arena. He steps into the ring. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Holy, the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Here comes temptation number one. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted. Clearly, 
at the end of 40 days, not eating, he's starving. He's probably weak with hunger. And so the, the devil sees this as the perfect opportunity now to bring out the temptation of food. Says to Jesus, Jesus, you're, you're clearly very hungry. And, and hey, you're the son of God. You've got power. Why don't you just turn this stone into a nice loaf of bread? Problem solved. I get hungry after like only four hours of not eating. Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. And a nice, warm loaf of bread. Oh, that would, that would really hit the spot at that point, I think, right? But Jesus, he knows the devil isn't actually concerned about his empty stomach. The devil wants to get Jesus to take the easy way out. To take the easy way out of suffering by offering him a very attractive alternative. Jesus, many times in his life, he could have taken the easy way out of suffering. As the son of God, he had the power. He could have unleashed it on those Roman soldiers who were nailing him to the cross. At any point, he could have easily walked away from the suffering and the death that he was going toward. But Jesus here, just eating a loaf of bread, that, does, that seems pretty harmless, right? But Jesus recognized that this would be a dangerous step toward taking the easy way out. And Jesus did not come to earth to take the easy way out. No matter how attractive the, the alternative was to flee suffering. It's not what he came to do. Jesus strikes back. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. With these words, Jesus isn't promoting a low-carb diet. He's, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And those words there go on to say, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is saying, even if he has to suffer through starvation and hunger a while longer, he's okay. He's already filled with something better. He's filled with his Father's good word. He's filled with his Father's good promises. And Jesus knows he's not going to die of starvation in the wilderness. That wasn't the plan. He trusts his Father's plan. He trusts his Father's promises. Food could wait. His father's will was more important. So, what do we learn from this temptation for our fight with temptation? First, what's, what was the goal of, of this temptation? The goal of temptation one is to get us to take the easy way out. What's the strategy the devil uses to make us do that? The strategy he uses here is to get us when we're vulnerable, right? With, with Jesus, he doesn't offer him the food as a temptation until after he hasn't eaten in 40 days. Then he brings the food out. The devil dangles temptation in front of us at times when we're less likely to put up a fight. He does this using things that sound attractive. Things that we think, 
oh, this would be good for me. This would help my situation. Usually these are things we already want. He just convinces us, hey, if you want it, why don't you have it? What's stopping you? Just take it. And maybe there's a lot of applications for how this temptation looks, but you know, when, when people are put under a lot of stress, here's one idea of how this comes out. When people are put under a lot of stress, they're probably more likely to lash out at others. Why? Because that's easy. Because it makes you feel better when you get to do that. The easy way out. This is why, for many people, when, when you take a big downhill turn in life, even if it was never a temptation before, maybe now, after this downhill turn, all of a sudden, that bottle of liquor looks a lot more attractive than it ever has before. The easy way out. We could maybe take this one step further. I mean, I, this is where things like suicidal thoughts come from too, right? <clears throat> to, to think that this is the seemingly easy fix, the seemingly easy way out of, of pain and suffering. Don't listen to the devil's lies about this. Recognize that dangerous attraction for the easy way out as a lie of the devil. Don't listen. Maybe also kind of be ready that when you're down and out in life, that's when the devil might try to kick you even harder than ever. Be ready for it. And then, fight back on this temptation, just like Jesus did using God's word. Jesus, you, you maybe you'll notice this in each temptation, he uses God's word as his favorite weapon, his favorite answer. We need to do the same, to pick up the boxing gloves of God's word and take the, the fight to temptation. You have the same good promises that Jesus did. Promises like these, these are just a few of them. Joshua 1, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lamentations 3, the Lord's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Romans 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You don't need to take the easy way out of suffering because you're filled with something so much better already that'll get you through it. You're filled with God's good promises. And his promises give relief that will last. Not the temporary band-aids for pain this world offers. Flee from the easy way out. Okay, we should probably move on to the, the next temptation, number two here. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Doesn't it sound like the devil's kind of overreaching on this one? Like, really, Satan? You think Jesus is going to bow down and worship you? That's, that's a little obvious. Yeah, he's, he's kind of going for the home run here. But if we look a little closer at this one, Maybe the devil isn't just trying to get Jesus to worship him. He's kind of trying to get Jesus to worship himself. He tries getting Jesus to take a shortcut, one that doesn't involve a cross. 
Ultimately, when Jesus finishes his work, he gets to sit at the right hand of God with all power and dominion over everything. And the devil says, why don't you take a shortcut to get that? Jesus, you deserve power and authority and dominion right now. Why follow your father's plan? Mine's so much easier. All you got to do, bow down to me and it will all be yours. No crosses involved. The devil's trying to get Jesus to put Jesus first instead of putting his father's will first, instead of putting his love for all of us first. Jesus has an answer. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Jesus denies Satan here. He also denies himself. He denies taking the shortcut. That path to the cross is, is going to be difficult for him. He'll be tempted many more times to veer off, but he can't. He has to give up his power and his glory for us because Jesus can't imagine having an eternity of glory without you being a part of it. No shortcuts on the way to the cross. What do we learn from temptation number two? The goal, the goal with this one, the temptation is wanting us to worship self. The devil wants to get us bowing down to our own desires because, and, and well, he doesn't really care whether it's, it's, it's bowing down to him or ourselves because either way, it means we're not putting God first. He goes for the home run to get us to break the first commandment. And so we want to flee from this worship of self. And the strategy that the devil uses to get us to worship ourselves, here, what is he using? Lies. He's good at this one. He's the father of lies. He's been doing them since the beginning. He straight up lies to Jesus here. He, he acts like he has power over the world and he gets to decide who's in charge of what. That's a lie. God's in control. No matter how much the devil likes to think he is. The devil's still allowed to roam free on earth for a while here, but he's on a very short leash. God's in control. Don't let the devil fool, fool you on that one. So we want to avoid shortcuts to, to self-pride, self-worship. Because you see, when, when you, you worship and, and put yourself first, not only is it, is it bad for everyone else around you, it's actually bad for you too. When, when we bow down to our, our own desires, we think maybe, oh, this is setting us free. But really all it's doing is making us a slave to self, uh, ultimately a slave to what the devil wants. So avoid the shortcuts to getting what you want. Run to what God wants for you. He always wants the best for you. The power and glory that Satan tempted Jesus with, it was false, built on a lie. The future glory God freely hands to you, it's real. Stick with God. Serve Him. Then you'll be free.
avoid the shortcuts, avoid worship of self. As you go to the third temptation, see the stakes kind of seem to rise a bit. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil, like a good boxer, he starts to read our attacks. He starts to figure out what our favorite moves are. Once he sees that, that our favorite weapon is God's word, he's going to attack the weapon itself. He wants to disarm us. Each, each temptation, Jesus quotes from scripture. And so the devil says, okay, two can play at that game. He quotes here from Psalm 91. And it's like he's trying to say to Jesus, okay, we've made this clear. You, you trust the scriptures, right, Jesus? Okay. Well, if you really trust your father, then won't he send his angels to rescue you if you jump from this pinnacle? I mean, look, Jesus, right here in his word, that's what it says. Jesus has a response. He says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knows the devil is taking this passage out of context. The, the passage talks about God's protection if one falls. It does not refer to jumping. Jumping from a ridiculous height and assuming that God will send his angels to come and rescue you. That's putting God to a test that he never told you to make, right? Jesus doesn't have to, to prove anything to Satan by jumping. Jesus knows very clearly. He understands what the scriptures are saying. Satan doesn't. He's just twisting things. So how, how do we learn to fight temptation? Temptation number three, what are we looking for? The goal of this one, the goal of this temptation is wanting God to do things my way. The goal is wanting God to do things my way. The strategy the devil uses for this one is using our own weapon against us, disarming us, using our own weapon against us. He twists the word of God, the truth of it, into saying something that it actually doesn't. He does this to get us to say, you know what? Why doesn't God do it this way? Why doesn't he operate this way? Why doesn't he send his, his angels to, to protect everyone all the time? That's what I would do if I was God. The devil knows if he can twist the truth of Scripture, maybe he can get us to doubt God and his way of doing things. To, to get us to think, I know what God ought to be doing better than God himself does. I think this is the most dangerous part here. The devil knows if he can destroy our trust in God's word, it's a much easier step for him to destroy our trust in God's son. Watch out for that one. So how, how do we fight this temptation? We got to know the scriptures, right? We need to be rooted in God's word to be rooted to, to know when when something's being taken out of context 
We need to see, to see the Bible as the whole connected story that it is. We need to know the words so that we're able to recognize a false teaching when Satan slips one in. We want to be able to use the, the clear parts of Scripture to help us understand the more challenging, the difficult parts of Scripture. Then, then I will learn to trust that God is doing things the right way. Maybe not my way, but in the right way, which is his way. Probably for the best. Three temptations. Three answers from God's word. Do you feel at least a little more prepared now to take on temptation, to recognize its tactics, its goals, how to strike back? Hopefully. But even if you you know all the tactics and the goals and how to strike back, it still doesn't make the fight easy. Mike Tyson is actually the one who said this. Everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Even if we know what temptations to watch for, we know the triggers for temptation, we, we know our Bibles, well, sometimes the temptation will come and just smack you in the face and, and all of a sudden, all the plans, all the strategies you had, they, they go out the window. It's hard to remember what to do. You maybe noticed in, in these three temptations, there's kind of a common theme running through all of them. The same theme for our sermon today. The temptation of wanting only what I want. Sometimes we're, we're going to get knocked out. We won't always win the fight against temptation because we have this, this natural human tendency to, to put ourselves first. Because it's, it's pretty easy to do that. It's much harder to put others first. Much harder to put God's will first. And the devil knows this. So that's where he strikes at us in our weak spots. Weak spot common to everyone. He doesn't pull punches. But the point of this account here, Jesus being tempted, it's not just a guide for how to fight temptation. The main point of this account is to show us our champion. For every time We fail in our fight against temptation. Jesus won. For every time we give in to what we want, Jesus denies himself what he wants. For every time we we took a step off God's path, Jesus takes another step forward on his path toward the cross. For every time we fall into temptation, Jesus won forgiveness for that failure Jesus clearly won the battle against the devil in the wilderness. And he won the war on the cross. When we fail in our fight, we get to tap in our champion to fight for us. Maybe you've seen this this, uh, picture of Jesus arm wrestling the devil before. Um, I think it was kind of popular a couple years ago. It was all over the internet. I don't like this picture. Uh, I mean, the devil kind of looks like Darth Maul from Star Wars to me. And I don't know why Mount Doom from Lord of the Rings is in the background of the picture too. Too many things going on. That's, that's not why I don't like the picture. I don't like the picture 
because it's not accurate. This picture makes it look like Jesus and Satan are evenly matched. They're not. You know what would make this picture better? If it had the devil crying, huddled in the corner with a crushed head. Because that's what happened. Jesus won. You win too. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear his temptations. Tap in your champion. Amen.